Hey guys, it's your girl E. I am back with another podcast. The title of this month's podcast is titled Regaining Your Focus. I don't know who this word is for, but I know it's for somebody. I don't know what you are going through, but I know that God always gives me an on-time message. And I'm praying, 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 praying that who this message is for, that it reaches to them with no hindrance, no delays no setbacks, that this word goes forth with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and to touch those who it is meant to touch and to help loose the bonds of those who it is loose to bond. In this podcast, I'm going to go over a few notes and the things that the Lord has given me to give to you. This is going to be one of those messages that You may not listen to this message specifically over and over and over, but you're going to need a message that is similar to what I'm giving you. You are going to need a message that is going to tell you that you need to regain your focus. You need to get back up. You need to get back in the ring. You need to start all over. And you need to not quit. However you get that message from anybody who is anointed and from anybody who is sent by God, I pray that you take that message if it speaks to you. Even if the whole message itself doesn't speak to you, I pray that you take the parts of it that speaks to you and that you hold on to it. I don't care if you write it down. I don't care if you memorize it. I don't care if you, um, uh, you know, post it somewhere so that way you can remind yourself, I need to regain my focus. If I get off course, I need to get back on course. However you have to do it, I pray that you do it. Because let me tell you something. In life, we are all going to face setbacks, curveballs, things that are going to hit us. We're going to we're going to be like Paul and we're going to have a thorn in our side to where we'll pray three times and four times and six times and ten times. And God is going to say, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to repeat that. God is going to say to you in that season or in this season, if he has already, he is saying and he is going to say his grace is sufficient for you. I remember when I was young. Sometimes elderly people used to say, oh, you're going to get old one day. You're going to see if you live long enough, you're going to see this happen. And not that I negated what they were saying, not that I argued with what they were saying, but you know, like sometimes when you're young and you're like, well, how much did you go through? You know, what have you gone through? Because as a kid, you see things from a different perspective. Because your mind is not developed, because you may not have seen a lot of things, your view on life is not as if you lived life to the fullest. So when elderly people say things like, oh, wait till you get old. If you live long enough, you'll see. And now here I am at 39 years old and I am telling you that if you live long enough, You are going to need a message like this, if not this particular message in itself. You are going to face curveballs. You are going to face setbacks. 
you are going to face devastation. But how you handle life situations is going to determine how and when you regain your focus. I'm going to say that again. How you handle life's curveball, situation, setbacks is going to determine how you regain your focus and when you regain your focus. God says in his word, write the vision and make it plain. In Habakkuk 2 and 2. Now y'all don't make fun of me because y'all know I don't know how to be pronouncing these little Bible words. You know, all fancy, you know, from the King James Version. I, I do the best I can, you know, because I'm from New York City. And, you know, us Northerners, you know, we say things different. So I'm going to say in Habakkuk 2 and 2, <laughs> God says, and this is from the Message Version, the MSG. God says, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters. So that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness painting to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. And again, this is the message version, the MSG version. When I look at that, that um, verse and how we relate it to in regaining your focus, the reason why God spoke to Habakkuk and he replied to him and he said, write the vision, make it plain, write it down. So when others uh, run on, they can see it. God is saying here in this, in this verse, in this scripture, he's saying, as human beings, we have to catch the vision. We have to see exactly what it is that God wants us to do. And sometimes that's in word. You got to write it down. And God is putting this on my heart right now. Remember when he told Moses to write down the Ten Commandments on the tablets. Why did God pick the tablets of stone? Because he knew the tablets of stone couldn't easily be destroyed. You have to have a great power to destroy them stones. And yes, Moses, you know, broke the first Ten Commandments and God had to have him do it again. But the reason why God had... Um, Moses write it on stone was because stone was not easily broken. Stone could not easily be withered. And stone cannot easily, easily be messed up. So God was like, write the Ten Commandments on something that's going to stand the test of time for at least a long time. Why? Because people are going to need to see it. Because if people keep seeing it, they're going to eventually do it. Right? Have you ever hung around a person and they talked a certain way or they said a certain word? Whether you liked the word or not or whether how they said it or not, you liked it. Eventually, you started saying little things how they would say it and you started mimicking how they would pronounce those words or to say certain things in a particular way. Why? Because as human beings, 
We are adapt, adaptive by nature. We mimic and we adapt. And sometimes we don't even do it on purpose. What is it that God has made us so powerful in our human being, in our human form, to where we can look at something over and over and over and eventually we will do it? Why do you think when you're in a ghetto, right, you have the majority of the group of people that's either going to sell drugs, end up dead, end up pregnant before um, 18, or, you know, um, some other catastrophe, because they grow up in an environment that they see day in and day out. And they gravitate towards what they see. Now, you may say, well, there are those who, who got out. Why? Why did they get out? Because they had either parents or guardians that kept feeding them something other than what they were seeing. They kept writing to them other than something that they were seeing. And they grab hold of what else was being said. But regardless of the people who turned out not so good and then the people who turned out so good. The thing that you can take from both sides of living in a ghetto of whether you made it out or whether you didn't. Is that both parties had the opportunity to be fed by what they were around. So in Habakkuk 2 and 2 God says, write it down, make it plain. What are you being fed by? And I want you to keep that in mind as I go along with this message. What are you being fed by? Because what's feeding you is what's going to grow. And what's going to grow is going to overpower you and take you. So if you're not getting fed off of the word of God through Jesus Christ, if you're not getting fed off of other Christians who are walking the walk, and if you're not getting fed by God, then you're going to be getting fed by Satan. Right. And remember when I told you that what you do now will determine will determine how fast you bounce back and how fast you regain your focus. Right. Have you ever looked around in your life and you thought, man, dang, life is really throwing me curveballs. I have situations. I got this going on. I got that going on. When will it ever end? And the reason why God had me title this podcast, Regaining Your Focus, for the regaining, because at first I thought, well, maybe I should put regain your focus. But then I said, no, I feel strongly about um, writing regaining your focus. And as God was giving it to me, he was like the ING, the, the regaining. He said, it's, it's a continuation. It's an ongoing cycle. And as I pondered this, God was telling me, he was like, you're not going to just have to regain your focus one time from one setback from the enemy. He said, if you live long enough, you are going to have to continue to regain your focus. You are going to have to continually to refocus your lens. Why? Because as you live on this earth, as you walk the walk, as you walk with me through Jesus Christ, my only begotten son whom I, whom I sent on earth to die for your sin. God said, as, as long as you keep walking with me, the devil is going to keep attacking you. And you're going to have to keep getting up from being um, attacked. Every time you fall, you're going to have to keep getting back up. 
So in entitling this message, regaining your focus, you are going to have to constantly always refocus. You're going to have to bring it back to the center. You're going to have to go back to the drawing board. You ever hear, you ever hear somebody say, oh, well, this plan failed. Well, let's go back to the drawing board, meaning you have to go back to square one. Why? Because you're going to have to rebuild. And God is saying, whatever attacks that happens is going to happen. You're not going to be able to stop it. Even though, you know, God gives us the power of prayer. He gives us the power of fasting. And yes, you can turn things around through the power of prayer. But what about those things that are just meant to be? God says, it might knock you down. It may make you stumble. You may... Uh, Feel a little bit off balance you know you may shake a little bit but God said I'm never going to give anything that's going to knock you down so hard that you have to stay down you may feel like stand down but God is saying I would not allow you to stay down right getting your vision back and staying the course because you are going to have to stay the course and some of life's curveball is going to hit you so hard because you are a Christian. Because you decided to walk in the will of God. And that's okay. Because in being a Christian, it's not easy. It's not easy being a Christian. Besides life, life's curveballs, curve you know, you have to fight other things. You got to fight generational curses. Sometimes your generational curse is a curveball. Because you may be trying to get over some things and get through some things and you're like, man, I got to battle this. I got to deal with this. I got to break this generational curse. And, you know, I got to be the first one to do this or the second one to do this or this and that and the third. But it's okay. Because see, God knew that you would do these things. God knew that this would happen. The curveballs, the disappointments, they're not going to happen once. Like I said, they're going to happen over and over and over but we serve an awesome God. And even if it happens over and over, that's not really the problem. Curveballs in life situations isn't really the problem at hand. You want to know what it is? The real foundation of the issues at hand is to ask you, how are you going to handle life's situations? Sure, they'll knock you down, like I've said. Sure, they'll make you cry. That's fine. We all cry. And sometimes they'll have you on your knees before the Lord, before God, humbly asking, God, I need strength today. I need the tenacity to get through this day. Because that's life and that's life situations. But like the title of this message that God has given me, how are you going to regain your focus? That's the important question. When God says, write the vision and make it plain, he means to write down the vision that you see for the future. And not just any vision. And you may be thinking, Man, I'm afraid. 
you know, what if I get it wrong? Or what if I try to write this down and this is not in, in, in God's will? Or what if I try to do this and then God says no? If God says no, he says no, that's fine. But I promise you one thing. If you walk with God and you allow God to lead you through his Holy Spirit, your vision will be God inspired. I promise you. I promise you. And because of this, the devil is going to launch so many attacks because now you done made a covenant with God. You done made a pact with God. You done made an agreement. And remember, because Satan was once in heaven and he got kicked out and he can never return again. Satan is after all of God's people. He's after all of us. But you don't even have to worry about any of that. Because God's word is going to come to pass in your life. God's word will never fail. And I'm reminded of a scripture and this is what the Holy Spirit has put on my heart. God says that his word shall not return unto him void. You may be thinking... Oh, this is taking longer than expected. That's fine. Because remember when Daniel fasted and prayed on the first day, God said, I sent my angel with an answer. But then he got delayed 21 days, but he eventually made it. And when God's angel finally met with Daniel, he said, I have a message to give to you. God said, I heard you the first day, but I had to fight the prince of Persia. And then God had to send me another angel to help me defeat the prince of Persia. And now on a 21st day, I am here. Some of your blessings may be delayed, but it's not denied. So if things are taking a little bit longer, if you're being attacked, if it seems like things are slowing down, God says, don't worry. My word shall not return unto me void. Whatever God has spoken over your life. Whatever you have prayed for in the will of God, God says it shall come to pass. Because remember, God is in full control. And God says, because you're going to be so blessed, that your blessings is going to overflow and it's going to reach out to those even that's around you. This is why sometimes you got to hold on because sometimes and a lot of times your blessings is not just about blessing you. It's about blessing those around you. But you got to be careful because there are some people that were sent in your life to be a distraction. And you can't let the enemy steal what God has given to you. This is why God is only going to bless you once you get from amongst certain people. And that's facts. Especially if that person has you living in sin. God says, I'm not going to release my blessing until this person is from up under you. And another thing that God has put on my heart to tell you. Well, you may be thinking, well, this person is blessed, but I don't know about their faith walk. The devil has his traps set. The devil may send people around you and they may look blessed. But remember, Satan owns certain things in the spiritual world and in his little satanic kingdom. And it may look like that he has blessings, but he really doesn't. Because his time on his earth is is but so short and remember Satan he got power yeah he I and whatever but he doesn't have power and authority and he dead on sure and got as much power as God so even if you're around a person and they may look blessed God is saying that person could be sent from Satan and they still can be a distraction because how they got those those uh, material things 
those are not of God. So don't be distracted by the, the money, the, the houses, the cars, the jobs, the, the um, prestigious positions. Because God is saying, just because a person's blessed, that don't mean that he gave it. So when I say your blessings are going to overflow to bless other people, there's a difference between God blessing you and then a devil giving you certain materials and certain things and certain earthly wealth. To look blessed. Because remember, Satan's little whatever he got comes from him. But God's blessings come from God. And can't nobody touch that. Because God's blessings comes with an anointing. And it comes with the strength of God. And I want you to remember a few things. The devil is strategic. And I'm going to repeat that again. The devil is strategic, but God is in full control. The devil is patient, but God is on the throne. The devil is bold, but again, God is still on the throne. The devil may seem like he got it going on. It may seem like the devil could throw as many curveballs towards you as he want. But no, do not be mistaken. Just because God is allowing the devil to throw, to, to throw curveballs, God still put a stamp on the devil. And God is saying to Satan, you only can attack my child in certain areas. You can attack this you can't attack that remember the devil may have power but the devil is very limited if you read um the story of job how the devil walked to and fro and god is like okay what's up why are you walking to and fro why why are you going back and forth looking miserable and satan was like i don't have nobody to attack all your people is protected and within the covenant and you're guiding them and, and I can't touch them. So that tells you right there, without God's permission, the devil can't touch you. Then God goes on to say, okay, well, have you tried my servant Job? And the devil goes, you're protecting him so I can't touch him. So God goes, okay, fine, I'll let you touch him. But then God put a limit to what the devil could do. I tell you that story. I tell you that story because not only did God put it on my heart, but there's a fire in me right now as I'm speaking. I am telling you that story. Because as you are either regaining your focus or you may go through a season to where you're going to have to regain your focus. God wants you to know, and I am telling you this story. I don't care how long the devil attacks you. The devil can't do to you what he really want to do. If you are still breathing, that means that God done told the devil to back off. Some of you right now are scared. Well, what if the devil do, does this? And what if the devil does that? Okay, but he's not going to get away with it. The devil is very limited. Remember, God put, put a limit and a timestamp on Satan. So Satan can't just do what he wants. So I want you to get out of your mind that that you what you think about Satan that he has this unlimited power Satan doesn't have unlimited power Satan is very 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 limited 
and Satan has power, but Satan doesn't really have that much power. And he's strong and he's bold. But remember who's in control and remember who's on the throne. Don't walk around afraid of Satan because Satan can do to you anything that God is not going to allow him to do. So if the devil is attacking you and you're walking in God's will and you're doing what the Lord told you to do, even if you're, you're not doing what God told you to do, God still has put a limit on the devil. Now, there may be times where God will warn you, go, hey, look, you need, you need to stop living in sin or you need to stop being disobedient in this area. You need to get back on a bandwagon. Now, he may say that. And, and, and that's for and that's your cue to get back on uh, to get back on track. But remember, God isn't going to let the devil do anything that's going to harm you before your time. And one thing that you can guess about the enemy is that he will always be as he is. The devil will always remain irrelevant. Why? Because Satan don't have no new tactics. I'm telling you right now, Satan's tactic is old, worn out, beat up, busted and disgusted. And the devil is going to keep using the same tactics through different people and through different situations. But it's the same. It's the same seven deadly sins. It's the same, um, you know, three major areas of temptation. He don't have no new strategies, even though he's strategic. Because if you look at every generation, right, if say, let's say you're the, you know, the third generation that's alive. If you look at your great grandparents and your grandparents and then your parents and then you, whatever generational curse that runs through that bloodline, you have to realize that the devil tried the same thing with your great grandparents, with your grandparents, with your parents, and now you. If the devil had new tactics, it would be something new every generation, but guess what? It's not. So that goes to show you that the devil is irrelevant. Right? He is irrelevant. He is outdated. Meanwhile, God is over here on his throne and Satan can't figure God out worth all the pennies he got. So what does that tell you? That should give you comfort in knowing that God is always going to have the upper hand. For one, because he's God. And God says in his word that you shouldn't let the right hand know what the left hand doeth. Meaning you don't got to always reveal certain things and God doesn't do that even with his children. So do you really think that Satan knows everything that God is going to do? No. He may know some of it based on uh, the Bible because guess what? The devil has access to the Bible to read the same way we do. But the same way Jesus said, no man, not even him, knows the time or the place or the date that God is going to send Jesus back. Even Jesus himself didn't know. So that goes to show you. And that is proof right there. That God isn't going to reveal everything. But I want, I want you to take away this one thing. That God may not reveal everything. But God is going to do this one thing. He is always going to take care of his children. And in every blow. Whether your blows are spiritual. Physical. Mental. And or emotional. God never gives you more than you can bear. But you have to remember, in God, there's always strength, there's always courage, and there's always safety, and there's always a hedge of protection. When I look at Paul's life, Paul displays the title 
of this podcast, regaining your focus. Paul had to regain his focus so many times. And Paul, and this is why I love God and how when he gives us a word, he always ties everything all together. Paul literally had to regain his focus, literally. When, when Paul, who was at the time named Saul, when, when he was on his way to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus. And the glory of Jesus was so bright that it physically blinded Paul. And Paul was blind for like a few days. Some say three days, but you know, like, like I said, I'm not a Bible scholar, so I don't know if it was really three days, but I know Paul was blind for, for some time. Paul was literally blind and he had to, he had to have his people help him walk around, help him bathe, help him eat until he regained his vision. He, re, he literally had to regain his focus and regain his composure. And do you think that Paul was nervous when he first was physically blinded and realized, man, I can't see. I don't know where I'm going. Of course he was scared. You would be scared too if you woke up one day and couldn't see. Or you woke up one day and had limited vision. Or you gradually was losing your vision. You would be nervous too going from a person who couldn't use to see and see where you were going to now having people to help you. Especially when you have a problem with, um, you know, um, you know, having help. And if you don't have too many friends and things like that of that nature, Paul had to literally regain his focus and he had to regain his vision. Paul, he had to, um, he had to overcome the setbacks. He had to overcome the hurdles. And if you look at Paul and you look at Paul's life, you will realize that Paul did not have it easy. Yes, he was a great man of God. Yes, in the Bible, he was so strong and he was so anointed. But you know what? If we really, really read the word of God with the anointing of the Holy Spirit as God intended us to, to read, if you read back on Paul's life, Paul had to face struggles the same way we face struggles. Paul had to deal with lust. And I think um, Paul's problem with lust was only mentioned like one time in the Bible. But in what ways did he have to deal with lust? Because lust comes out in different forms, in different formats. So I don't know. But Paul had to face his own struggles. Yes, he may have had an anointing. But that anointing from Jesus Christ came with a price. And if you look at Paul's life, you will know that Paul had to pray, pay a big price to stay anointed. And in order for Paul to receive his anointing, Paul had to not give up. Because if you go through trials and you give up, you're not going to be able to withstand the trials in order to, to get fed by God and to allow the seeds of God's word to be planted on the inside of you and to allow those seeds to be worked out and allow God to purge some things off of you and then allow God to eventually allow the anointing to fall on you because the more you die to your flesh, the more you grow in Christ and the more you grow spiritually. Remember, when the flesh decreases, the, the Holy Spirit increases. The more you gratify your flesh, the less you're going to be able to hear from God, right? And this is why the Bible talks about don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't be disobedient. Don't make the Holy Spirit sad whenever God speaks to you and you decide that I'm going to go over here and do this in X, Y, Z without listening to God. That's how you quench the Holy Spirit.
Paul had his setbacks. Paul preached from the prison walls. And every time Paul got locked up, Paul could have been like, you know what? I'm not preaching today. They didn't feed me three meals. They didn't let me go to the bathroom. And if you really think about it, when you're locked up in prison, and especially back in the days, and they even do it nowadays, especially back in the days, they didn't have the, 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 uh, the plumbing that we have. They didn't care if, if, if the, the prisoners pooped in their cell or pooped on themselves and peed on themselves because they were not told to open a prison to let them go use the bathroom. Just imagine that. Imagine you're in a cell with two or three other people that are urinating and pooping and doing all kinds of stuff. Paul did not give up, but Paul had to sit up there and write letters to the Ephesians, to the Romans, to the Corinthians, to to um to the people in you know the Philippines, you know the Philippi's, all these people. Paul had to had to to write and to preach the gospel from the prison walls with with all kinds of feces and urines and and you know that had to smell because a lot of times they were down in the dungeons and down in the bottom of these cells where a lot of air didn't circulate. So imagine that. Imagine if you had to live in those circumstances and you still was anointed to preach the gospel. Now that's hard. Now that that's more than a curveball. And let me tell you something. Paul was more than a man of God when he decided, you know what? I'm still going to write these letters. Even though I've been beaten almost unto death, even though I was shipwrecked, even though I was bit by a snake, even though I was ridiculed by the same people who were just cheering me on because I got bit by the snake and they thought I had a devil because they thought I was cursed. For the people who he used to roll with, when he used to kill and persecute other Christians, but now he's preaching the gospel for Jesus Christ and he's preaching amongst his new brethren and his new sisters of Christ. They probably ridiculed him and said, oh, he's a phony. Oh, he ain't nothing. You don't think Paul had to regain his focus? You don't think that hurt Paul? You don't think Paul was nervous at some points in his walk with Christ saying, is this really what you called me to do? Is this really what I'm supposed to do? And Paul has had a thorn in his side. Along with being shipwrecked and bitten by a snake and afraid. But no matter what Paul went through, no matter what uh, curveballs that Paul had to face. And just like you, God was always in Paul's corner. And God wants me to tell you that God is going to always be in your corner, no matter what. And God has angels assigned to you to help you. God has angels in heaven right now that are standing on God and that are standing on guard. And God is saying, all you got to do is pray and ask for help and I'll send it. All you have to pray and, and do is, is ask me to fill you more with my Holy Spirit. And God says, I'll fill you up. And I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures so you, so you can look back on those uh, scriptures and read it for yourself and get some anointing and get some understanding. 
But no matter how life hits you, God is saying, I'm always going to be there. I'm always going to help you. And I'm always going to have help readily available to you. Paul could have told God, you know what? I ain't signed up for this. I'm good. I'm a peace. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not preaching from no prison walls. They pooping and peeing in here. It smells like urine for the last 10 days. I can't see. I don't want to write these letters. Paul could have said that, but he didn't. He still wrote to the people. He still um, built churches from, from the ground up. He still mentored other people. And he mentored Timothy, who was probably one of the youngest um, anointed preachers on his staff. He still preached to the ministers and, and the apostles and the other disciples. He still did the best he could. Why? Because Paul knew one thing that God is trying to get to you guys. Paul knew how to regain his focus in every situation that he was in. And Paul knew how to pray. Paul had a thorn in his side. And Paul said, I prayed three times for God to remove this thorn in my side that the devil sent my way. And you want to know what Paul said to the people that God told him? Paul said that God said, my grace is sufficient for you. What if God don't answer your prayers like how you want? Whether God says yes or no to your prayers, it does not take away the fact. It does not take away the fact that God is still going to be there for you. It does not take away the love of God. It does not take away God's anointing from your life. It doesn't take away God's protection. It doesn't take away the fact that he still called you. It doesn't change nothing that God has spoken. The only thing that is going to change is you. And you can decide this day. God told me he wanted me to tell you and he's telling me to tell you. God says, you have to put boundaries around your circumstances. And what do I mean by boundaries? God wants me to tell you that boundaries are, a, it's, it's a line that you don't cross and that you don't let other people cross, right? Boundaries is, is to protect you when you're on the inside. And boundaries is to protect the people on the outside from doing what they could do on the inside. When you set boundaries around your circumstances and your situations, you're making a declaration that says, no matter what, if X, Y, and Z happens, I'm not going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. And I'll give you an example. If you came to the conclusion that, like David, no matter what happens in life, no matter how bad things get, you're always going to worship God. That's a boundary. You're making a declaration to the devil and you're making a covenant with God. And you're going to say, God, no matter how hard life gets, I am going to always worship you. And when you're tested in that area, when you're knocked down, when you're downtrodden, when, when life throws you a curveball. You're going to remember that covenant and the Holy Spirit is going to bring it to your remembrance. And you're going to say, I remember when I told God, no matter what happens, I'm going to worship him. Paul made the same declarations and Paul had the same boundaries. Paul said, I know how to be a bound and I know how to be a base. 
in another boundary that Paul made, he says, I don't look to what happened in the past. Paul says, I only look forward to what's coming because I know where I'm going. You have to have great vision and a great focus and a strong mind to tell God and to tell the devil that I'm not going to keep looking at my past. Paul was like, I know I persecuted Christians. I know I had some Christians killed. I know I had a lust problem. I know I didn't always do things right. But Paul said, my past doesn't define me. Paul said, what defines me is, is my focus on what's in front of me. Because Paul said, I know where I'm going. And my word to you today is that God has given me to give you. And my question to you is, how are you going to regain your focus? What is your boundary? What is that tape that says, I'm not going to cross this line because as a child of God, I know what I'm capable of. You have to say things like, if I get knocked down, I'm going to get back up. If I lose the money, I'm going to get the money again. If I lose the house, I'm going to get the house again. If I lose the job, I'm going to get the job again. If I get knocked down, I'm going to praise God anyway. If I get distracted, I'm going to keep reading the word of God. If this relationship don't work out, I'm going to still believe that God has a spouse for me. If I have a miscarriage or had a miscarriage, I still believe that God is going to give me a child. However he do it, whether it's through a natural birth or through adoption. You have to make up in your mind that if you lose this, you're going to get that. If this happens, you're going to praise God anyway. Right? So think about it. If life throw, threw you a curveball in the next 24 hours, how are you going to stand on the word of God? How are you going to regain your focus? You may have to go into your prayer closet. You may have to step out of the room and, and, and go into the bathroom literally and, and, and take a few minutes to pray. Or you may have to learn how to pray on the spot and say, God, I, I need you to help me in this situation because my back is against the wall. I don't know what's going on. But regardless of what is going to happen or what has happened or what you're currently in, know that as a child of God, you got to remember whose you are. And if you look at Paul's life, one thing that you can tell from Paul is, is that no matter what happened, Paul was blessed inside the struggle and Paul was blessed outside of the struggle. Why? Because Paul always went to the one who had the power, the love, the, the hedge of protection. He always went back to God through Christ Jesus. What will you do when the devil tries to throw you off course? You have to ask yourself this. And not, not in a negative way, not, not to just sit there and ponder negative things all day because that's not what God wants you to do. But what I'm saying is, is you have to understand how you're going to bounce back only if you know how the devil operates. 
Because no Christian on this earth can walk on cloud nine. So you have to say, if God opened his door of opportunity, I need to expect that the devil is probably going to attack me in some way. And if God doesn't allow him, then good. But if he does, then how am I going to be prepared? You cannot be prepared 100%. But what you can say is that I'm going to stay in the word of God. I'm going to stay reading the word of God. I'm going to pick up some books by um, some anointed preachers and some anointed pastors and some anointed writers. And I'm going to get around some women and I'm going to get around some strong men of God. And iron is going to sharpen iron and I'm going to attend Bible study. And I'm, and I'm going to go to an anointed church who, who preaches the word of God from the Bible. And it's Bible based and they're Holy Spirit led. Because remember, the devil can read the Bible. He has access to the, he has access to the same Bible that, that we do. Because along with reading the word, a person has to be anointed and the Holy Spirit has to flow through them. Right? So what are you going to do when the devil tries to throw you off course? All attacks that are from Satan, they are spiritual. So stop focusing on people. Stop focusing on a situation and don't even try to figure out, oh, well, what's the outcome going to be? Just remember that all attacks from Satan is spiritual. So stop hating people. Stop being offended that they're talking about you. Stop holding on to grudges if they don't like you. Oh, well. Forgive them. Don't take hold of the offense and move on. Because one thing that God wanted me to tell you is is that what's going to help you to regain your composure and to regain your focus is if you forgive people. And you let go of the fence of the situation. Right? Because when when life happens, when life throws you a curveball. Sometimes you're offended by the situation. And you're like, you know what, God? I don't care about this. I want to walk away because this situation didn't turn out how I want it. And as I'm speaking this to you, God is bringing to a remembrance to my remembrance. A situation uh, from John the Baptist. This is a perfect example of what it is like to be offended because of a situation. Remember John the Baptist. This was after he um, baptized Jesus physically in water. And John the Baptist already had his ministry and John the Baptist at the time um, was well was more well known than Jesus was at that time. But this was a time where uh, John the Baptist was going through his trial and John the Baptist was thrown in prison, prison and he was about to be beheaded. Now, remember, John the Baptist and Jesus Christ was cousins because remember Mary, Jesus's mother, earthly mother and Elizabeth which is John the Baptist's uh, mother, they two were related. So John and Jesus were cousins. So now you can kind of see where John the Baptist's mind was. When John the Baptist was thrown in prison and and John the Baptist got word that um, they were going to behead him, John the Baptist sent his, uh, his followers, his disciples to Jesus to tell him to come save him. 
And then Jesus told his disciples to bring him word back and pretty much was saying in a nutshell, this is the will of God. And then John the Baptist told his disciples to go back to Jesus and said, okay, well, are you the Messiah or or is it going to be another person that's sent? Because see, John the Baptist thought that Jesus was going to save him because he was Jesus himself and because he was his cousin. When Jesus didn't do neither, John the Baptist was offended by Jesus because he didn't save him how he expected him to save him. And God wanted me to tell you that some of you are in that situation right now. You are offended at the situation. You are offended with God. You are mad. You are downtrodden. And you have walked away from the faith. Why? Because God is saying you walked away because things didn't turn out how you wanted it to turn out. The marriage didn't work. God is saying, so what? Not that God don't care about you, but God is saying, why are you mad about a marriage that didn't work out when for one, I didn't, I never called you to marry that person. God says, stop getting mad at um, things that I'm not blessing because you're living in sin. God's saying, I'm not going to bless sin. And then call it in, in, in an anointing. Some of you are married because some of you are mad because the marriage didn't work. God says, I never called you to to be married. The job didn't work out. You didn't get promoted. God said it was never meant for you to get promoted. Some of you are offended because you keep having miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And I'm not saying that, you know, um, and I'm not making light and, you know, please don't take this the wrong way. But I'm being real, right? Because I, I could tell you the story of David when David um, had his son out of, out of wedlock and he had his son, he conceived him through sin and God didn't let that son live. Some of you are, are, are having sex outside of wedlock and you're having sex outside of marriage and, and you wonder why um, you keep having miscarriages. Now, I'm not saying God is a mean God. He's not. He's not mean. He's not evil. But you have to look at your life and how you're living it and, and ask yourself, why do I expect God to bless sin? And God is saying you're offended at situations that didn't work out. But God says I didn't need them to work out. Stop holding on to offense over a situation. That God says, I never even blessed in the first place. God says, you never even came to me to see if that's what I wanted you to do. So God says, you have to regain your focus by letting go of the offenses. And when a situation occurs, God is saying, it's okay to feel and to acknowledge that, that it has happened. But you got to remember whose you are. God is saying when the people walk away, know that God is going to always be in your corner because God is faithful. Jesus Christ is faithful. You have help. When death occurs, know that it is not the end for that person. It's the end physically, but God is saying spiritually, if that person was in Christ, it is not the end. So you should rejoice. So regaining your focus. I know I went hard there for a second, but you know, when you're passionate about the word of God and, and you're passionate about 
how um, God wants you, you to, you know, you to reveal it. It's sometimes going to come off as strong and where sometimes it should. But trust me when I say that I don't mean to um, offend anyone and to push anyone off. However, I have to give the word of God how God gives it to me. God wants you to regain your focus in a season because God says, I am doing some alignment. I am doing some realignment. God is saying, I'm doing some restoration. But God said this time, God said, this is your shot. This is your shot. God said, treat this shot as if you were not going to give no other opportunity to have this moment again. God is saying, how are you going to regain your focus? How are you going to get back in the ring? How are you going to show back up? Because remember, God never quits on you. But you have quit on God so many times. And God is saying, all I want you to do is get back in the ring. God is saying, all I want you to do is to let go and to let go of the offenses. God is saying, all I want you to do is try again. But God is saying, when you try again, God is saying, I want you to try it my way. But this time, put your thinking cap on. God said, I want you to be a little bit more strategic. I want you to be a little bit more mindful of me. God is saying, every time you call on me, I'm going to show up. God is never going to leave you. He is never going to forsake you. God has help that he has to send your way. God has help that he is ready to send your way. If you read Acts chapter 27 verses uh, 13 through 26, but specifically verse 23, Paul had told the people on the boat, he said, don't worry about the storm that's happening. Don't worry about this. Paul said, he was saying, the angel of the Lord spoke to me and he said that we're going to be fine. We're going to be all right. There's not going to be um, a man on this ship that's going to die because of the storm. God was speaking. God was speaking through Paul to speak to the people that were on the boat because they were afraid. They thought that the storm that they were going to go through and that they were going through was going to take them out. And that's God's word for you today. As you are thinking about how am I going to regain my focus? How am I going to bounce back? God is saying, you have help. I have sent you help and I will continue to send you help. But God is saying, you have to know this day that it don't matter the curveballs that are thrown your way. It don't matter the, the thorn that is on your side. It, it doesn't matter the situations that occur. God is saying it's not going to kill you physically and, and, and spiritually. It's not going to kill you. God says sometimes you got to go through life situations. You got to go through life's trials because how else are you going to grow? How else are you going to, to stand on the word of God if there's not a situation that's going to knock you down so you can learn how to stand on the word of God? God is saying, whatever it is that you gave up on, because you are blinded by life circumstances and life curveballs, God is saying, you got to get back up. You got to refocus your lens. You got to readjust your spiritual sight. 
part of your refocusing, like I said, is you got to let go of the offenses. You got to forgive yourself for quitting. Some of you right now, you're, you're sad, you're downtrodden, you're mad because you gave up because you're thinking, man, I said I would never give, give up. I said I would never quit. And here you are, three and four years later, not doing what it is that God um, told you to do, not fulfilling the promises that God um, has, has told you because you're distracted, because you lost focus. God is saying, I'm always going to be there for you. Always, always, always. God is saying, some of you all, God is saying, some of you, all you have to do is just call out for help. God is saying, if you just ask me, say, say, help me, Jesus. God is saying, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and I'll help you. God is saying, there is nothing too hard for him. What's impossible with man, God is saying, it's always possible with me God is saying you haven't tried me enough to know if I can help you overcome this situation and God is saying let go of the 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 idea idea idealistic ideas that you have of how a situation to turn out and God is saying Take hold of, of what I have in store. God is saying, because you want a situation to turn out a certain way, that you're missing the opportunity that I'm going to present to you to have it to be turned into something else. God is saying, when you focus on the outcome being um, one way, God is saying, you close off your mind and your spiritual ears, ears and your spiritual sight into what he could do or what he could be doing. For instance, I'm going to give you an example. You may want to get married to an African-American. But God is saying, I have someone else of another nationality, of another um, uh, you know, ethnic background. And meanwhile, you're focused on here and you're thinking, oh, God doesn't have a spouse for me. But God is saying, I do have a spouse for you. But you're just looking in one direction, in one area. God says, I have it for you, but I just have it over here. And God said, because you haven't even thought about what I could do, because you haven't even consulted me, you don't even know that I have this over here for you. Now, because you're so focused on getting an African-American person, you're in this corner and you're thinking there's no one for me. But God is saying there is someone for you. You just have to let me show you where they are. That's how God wants you to think about life situations. It's okay to want an expected end. We all do. We all want the grand finale. We all want the blueprint of our lives. And, you know, we all want life to go a certain way. But the reality is, is that when we try so hard for things to, to, um, to, to manifest in a certain way, God is saying that's partially, or not partially, but God is saying that's witchcraft. He says, that's manipulation. He says, you cannot manipulate the things that I have for you. He says, if, if you're manipulating the situation, if you're trying to control the situation, which is witchcraft, he's saying, that is not of me. But God is saying, when you give me full control, when you allow me to be in a driver's seat, and when you allow me 
to work things out and will you allow me to write the story even though I'm going to have you um, take certain actions to take a stance on certain things, to be obedient. And God is saying, even though I control the destiny, I still need you to do your part because I have to do my part. Not that God needs us to do his part, but God says we're, we're kind of um, co-pilots, so to speak. And why not? Why not be a co-pilot with God? God is not, God is not saying for you to, um, for you to be, uh, you know, chaperone. God is saying he can be the driver. Then you can sit in the passenger seat because God is saying, while I'm working it out, I need you to pray. That's being active. While I'm going to send you the financial blessings, I still need you to get a job. That's being active. While I'm healing you of the disease, I still need you to go work out and eat healthy and do your part. That's being active. So even when God is saying he's in control, he's in full control, he's in control of the destiny and the outcome. God is saying that doesn't diminish your part that you have to play in this outcome. You feel me? So I pray that this message was a blessing to you. You guys know how I feel about God giving me a word to give to you. I pray that it's something that you can listen to over and over and over and that you refocus your lens. You readjust your sight. You readjust what it is you, you need to readjust. And if you have to move some things around in your life, then do it. But whatever it is, you got to regain your focus. You got to get from up under the blanket of distraction that the enemy has sent your way through situations, through curveballs, through through whatever else, whatever tactics that he's got. Because God says, I got a, I got a blessing for you. I got a plan for you. I got a destiny for you. And God is saying, if you're distracted and you remain distracted, God is saying, you're never going to walk into what I have for you. Because God is saying, there's certain things that you must do as his child. So I pray that this message was a blessing for you and that it is a blessing, that it will be a blessing for those who hear it. And I pray and I pray that you get into your spiritual prayer closet and that you ask God, what is it that he needs you to do in a season? And I promise you, God is going to speak to you. Wait for his word. In Habakkuk 2 and 2, God says, write the vision and make it plain. So, so that those who may run may see it. And he means you too. Because you're running this race. We're all running this race. In and through Jesus Christ. We got to stay focused. We got to get back on track. And this is not something that's going to just happen this one time. It's going to happen over and over and over and over and over. And you have to set a boundary. And you have to make a declaration to the devil. And you have to make a covenant with God and say, you know what? I don't care how many times I'm knocked down. I'm going to get back up. But every time you get back up, you got to pray and you got to stand on the word of God. Because that is the only way that you're going to survive. So take this word for what it is. And allow God to use this word to bless you. And I pray that this word finds you in good health and in good spirits and in, and in your right state of mind.
And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.